up for that. insult this band by not putting them at the right speed. Tyler, could you help me out? Try again? Yes, we'll try again. Here we go. <clears throat> Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and an Ardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there from the Not a Pretty Sight EP, Vancouver's Death Sentence with RCMP. And the reason I played that is because coming up right now, I'm going to play a track by DOA. Brand new from DOA, we're going to hear the RCMP. Death Sentence. RCMP and coming up brand new DOA RCMP DOA are playing tonight record release at the Biltmore with Little Guitar Army. Today on the Nardwater Human Serviette Radio Show interviews with Joanna Newsom and Atari Teenage Riot. Yes, in about
about half an hour, Alec Empire from Atari Teenage Riot is going to be phoning into the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. If you have any questions for Alec, it's 604-822-247, 604-UBCCITR. We're also going to try at Nardwar if you want to do the Twitter route at all. Alec Empire, Atari Teenage Riot, coming up about half an hour on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. And they're coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Thursday to the rickshaw in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Right now, here's DOA playing tonight at the Biltmore with the RCMP, and then Joanna Newsom, and then Atari Teenage Right, all on the Nardwar, the human surfiario. Joanna Newsom. Joanna Newsom, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to begin with a quote. Okay. Here it is. Quote, how do I get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Man. <laughs> That's actually a lyric, and you got it from a Sparks song. I did? Yeah. The Sparks have a song. Sparks. My favorite band, Sparks. Okay. And I have a gift for you. A Sparks LP to prepare you as they have a song about Carnegie Hall. And that's where you're going to be shortly, right? Yes. So you know the lyrics for the song then, eh? Now I do, and I, I will brush up. Now, Carnegie Hall, have you ever been there before? No. We've played many, many, many halls. And the other night, Joanna, you did something with the crow, kind of. You manipulated some crowing. You did some crowing. That is true. Yes. 
What can you say about that? The Kid Rock crowing. We just, uh, we wanted to cover a good song, <laughs> which happened to be by Kid Rock and Sheryl Crow. And that's happened before, hasn't it? Like, you've been in a Fleetwood Mac tribute band, haven't you? Oh, yes, that is true. What can you tell the people about that? Because, I mean, people think, oh, you're covering Sheryl Crow, but you've done the Fleetwood Mac before. That's pretty close, isn't it? I don't know about that, but uh, I, have, I have covered Fleetwood Mac and Sheryl Crow, different animals. Who was in the Fleetwood Mac cover band? I'm just curious. Uh, a top-secret group of intrepid musicians. <laughs> that may join you on stage at Carnegie Hall, perhaps, for a special encore? It's unlikely. It took hours to apply the wigs and, uh, you know, get sufficiently drunk. So I think that would be a different night. Joanna, there's a new book out called American Harpist. Really? And you are? A harpist. And you are in it. I am. You are in it. Really? With another fellow who I thought I would ask you about. This gentleman right here, Harpo... Marks. Harpo Marks. What can you tell the people about Harpo Marks? Are you into the Harpo Marks? Um... I don't really, as a musician, know much about Harpo Marx. I haven't, like, I don't own a Harpo Marx record. Well, if you turn it over, Joanna, check this out. This is what I found interesting. Look what it says right there about Harpo. Today, could you read that off there? Today, he has graduated from a $40 antique harp to a $12,000 instrument. And that's what I was wondering. You know quite a bit about that, don't you? You never had the pleasure of having a $40 harp, did you? No, but I did have a thousand dollar harp which is pretty darn cheap for harps that's still the one that i play so the one that harpo's playing does this bring back any memories have you seen any of these have you drooled over any of these harps that look like this can you tell are you a harp aficionado do you know what type of harp that is not based on what i can see because you can't see it and i guess it would be worth more than ten thousand right now especially if harpo touched it yeah if harpo touched it everything harpo touches turns to gold as you know and Joanna, I have some more harp records, believe it or not. If you want, you could put those down for a sec. I have yet another harp record. I love the harp records. Check out this one and what it's called. <laughs> have harp, can't travel. Can't travel. Now, has that been a problem for you at all? Yeah. I mean, it certainly has. I used to drive around just with a girlfriend in a little, like, Subaru and... We had some difficulty getting the harp different places occasionally. Now, this particular harp, do you know anything about this harp? I'm just fascinated. Does this harp make you drool at all? This is a lion in Healy, and I don't know what style. Would that work for Joanna? Yes, I exclusively play lion in Healy harps. And more information on the back is perlade. And check this out if you want to read this. This is what I found really fascinating. The sparkle. Mm-hmm. And grandeur, that is the harp is displayed without any overdubbing or speeded up gimmicks, which many other harp albums have employed. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Huh. Gimmicks in harp albums? Are there gimmicks in harp albums? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's actually hard to edit harp music because there's all these overtones ringing constantly. So um, we ha there aren't a whole lot of gimmicks I know of. Do you use any effects, though? Have you ever used any effects like auto-tune, maybe, or pedals? We used auto-tune on the last album on a flute note, a single flute note. Did it work? Were you happy with the results? And where can people hear that? At what point? Oh, I'll never tell. Uh, yeah, I was delighted with the results.
Now, this gentleman right here, Joanne, he's trying to carry it on the bus, but I love your carrying case that you have. You have a neat carrying case, don't you, for your harp? It's pretty neat, yeah. Was that hard to get? How custom is that? Not custom at all. They, they all come with those cases. <laughs> Joanna, you have a song called Only... Skin. Only skin. And it made me think you're playing the harp for two hours. How is your skin? Blood ever? Blood sometimes. Blood sometimes. Uh, if I'm good and I rehearse as I should leading up to a tour enough times, enough hours per day, then generally no blood. But there have been incidents. <laughs> How gross can it get, though, when you're playing a harp? Because it could look really bad. Like, a guitar player is not as big, but a harp. Has it ever scared the audience? Has blood ever dripped down and scared the audience? And what have you done? Um, blood has never dripped down and scared the audience that I know of. But there, I, there was a time that I kept reapplying super glue over, like, an open hand wound. That was pretty gross, I think, because it was seeping under the glue in this really creepy way. Um... And there was a, years ago, I saw a photo of me playing right at the moment that like a blood blister exploded. <laughs> and there was kind of a dramatic um, plume in the photo, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I looked for it recently because I wanted to show someone and I couldn't find it. Now, does this all go back to Lisa Stein? This all goes back to Lisa Stein. <laughs> She's the one that showed you some harping? Yes, she was the one. <laughs> Now, what I find interesting is I found out all about you, Joanna, through this magazine right here. And you can put that record down. What do we have here? I found out about you through Arthur. Arthur. I love Arthur, Mag. What, yeah, what can you tell the people about Arthur? Uh, good magazine. Very good magazine. Rest in peace, unfortunately. Online only now. Oh, I heard. Tragic. But they really paved the way by getting the word out in that folk movement. That folk movement. I bet, I love, I bet you love having it referred to that way. That folk movement. Yeah, yeah or even just movement, period. <laughs> but that was Jay Babcock. And, was Jay Babcock, yes. And cock, kind of like Roy Harper cock. Almost exactly like Roy Harper cock. Yeah, so like total Arthur, Roy Harper, you're totally connected. These are the things that make Joanna Newsom. I think you pretty much nailed it. Joanna, what was the PA patrol? Holy cow. Uh, that was a dance group that I was in in third grade, second and third grade with some friends, uh, where we choreographed dance numbers to Paula Abdul songs. Now, is that when you first got into, quote, hip-hop? Because now you're with The Roots. Is that your first exposure to hip-hop? Wait, okay. Is, are, are The Roots my first exposure to hip-hop? Was the PA Patrol? Oh. Um, no. MC Hammer was my first. Or actually, either MC Hammer or Criss Cross. I'm not sure which was the first rec record CD I had. Tape. <laughs> what sort of dances did you do? What is the spider dance, Joanna? Oh, well... Actually, there's a lot of different accounts on what the spider dance is, whether it's just a dance accompanying a tarantella, uh, whether you're mimicking the act of shaking spiders off of your hips, etc., or whether you actually have spiders that you're shaking off, released to dance with. And this was something that Lola was into. Yes, big time. Lola Montez. Lola Montez, but she had, like, snakes in her underwear? I mean... I don't know. Where'd you read that? That might be true. I think you said it, like plastic. Plastic snakes in her underwear. I'm pretty sure I didn't say she had plastic snakes in her underwear. 
But the snakes could have crawled out from somewhere in Nevada City, couldn't they? Because there's a lot of tunnels underneath, right? That is absolutely true, yes. I guess I was curious about that. Prostitutes, the ghosts, kind of sad and scary under there. Yeah, real sad and scary under there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go down there. I don't, I don't advise it. What is the legend of them? Have you actually seen some of those prostitute ghosts? I have seen a prostitute ghost, a single lone prostitute ghost, yes. And how did you know it was that particular prostitute ghost? Because I worked at a former, a former brothel. I mean, the, the coffee shop I worked at had once housed a brothel during the gold rush period, and they're sort of famously still around. I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. I guess I can't guarantee it. So much cool stuff in Nevada City, isn't there? Yes. Like that Nevada theater? Absolutely. And I love their motto. It's something like, quote, from Mark Twain to Motley... Crew? Yeah, isn't that awesome? That is the first time I've heard this motto. Yeah, that's what they said on their website. The Motley Crew has been there and Mark Twain has been there. I knew Mark Twain had been there. I did not know Motley Crew had been there. That's probably a good story. Joanna, here you are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yes. And your former band, The Pleased, had a song called Oh... Canada. What was that about? Oh, Canada. I think you have to ask the songwriter of the song, Noah Georgeson. But was it like, oh, Canada, did it have to do with the Canadian national anthem at all? Yes, I think it did. But I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, you did perform that on tour a few times, right? Yes, there, were, there was a period of time, definitely. And you guys got to tour with love, didn't you? We did shows with love. I don't, maybe... Or, maybe there was a tour. I can't totally remember. Like Arthur Lee, love. That's incredible. Like, rest in peace. Like, rest in peace, Arthur. Rest in peace, Arthur Mag and Arthur Lee as well. Yeah, rest in peace, Arthurs. Uh, yeah, that was great. Did you talk too much? Do you remember thinking about Arthur Lee? Because he's such an inspiration to so many people. Like, awesome Californian. Right. I, I don't... I mean, I think we, we exchanged hellos, but I didn't really get to talk to him much. Joanna, who are the Harlem Globetrotters? They're bunch of guys who spin balls on their fingers. Yes, it could be the Harlem Globetrotters that you're thinking of right there, the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> but I heard last night that Robin from Fleet Foxes, who's opening for you, referred to your band as the <laughs> Harlem Globetrotters. That's true. He did do that. Now, why was that? I don't know. He's a, he's a complicated man, Robin Pagnold. I, I, I don't want to speak on behalf of him. I think he was saying we were... Uh, I don't know what he was saying. The Harlem Globetrotters. He was saying we were literally the Harlem Globetrotters. He might have thought that. I don't know. What I think is really interesting, Joanna, and thank you for your time here speaking to me, Nardward, a human serviette in Vancouver, British Columbia. You're welcome. Canada. Canada, okay. <laughs> You had, a few months ago, Obama on drums. I did? Yes, Fred Armisen. Oh, yeah, I did. Well, we had him, like, playing a cowbell. So what does that look like when you turn around and you see Obama on cowbell? It's the most beautiful sight you can imagine. And I, and I was thinking it's kind of a coming together because your actual drummer, Neil... Didn't he, yes. didn't he volunteer for Obama? Oh, yeah. He was heavy, heavy in the Obama volunteering scene. So you'd like to double Obama attack? Basically, yeah. Bainbridge Island. Why do you like Bainbridge Island? It's a beautiful place. The professor from Gilligan's Island lives on Bainbridge Island. Did you know that? I had no idea. When did you first check out Bainbridge Island? 
when I was a little kid, my aunt and uncle lived there, so I've been there a lot. And what about Ashland, Oregon? Love it. Now, has that anything to do with Lolita? Uh, does my love for Ashland, Oregon have anything to do with, no. Because Nabokov wrote something there. Did he finish it there? I actually didn't know that. That's what I heard. At Ashland, but what do you like about Ashland, Oregon? Because, you know, living in the Northwest, you're Vancouver, Bainbridge Island, uh, you know, it's all sort of connected. I love it. I was just curious. Well, uh, Ashland, Oregon was the site of my very first road trip. My sister, Emily, and I, when I got my driver's license, it was just driving distance enough that, like, it was an appropriate trip for us to take at that point, and we went and, like, stayed the night at a hotel, motel, and then drove home. And I have very fond memories of that. And we also used to go see Shakespeare plays at the Shakespeare Festival for years. Yeah. Joanna, how did you find punk? I guess punk found me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What, Was it at Love Shack Records? Love Shack Records didn't exist as Love Shack Records when I was younger. It started out as the Herb Shop Records, and that, and yes. But I don't, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about punk. I'll be straight with you. Because um, I guess what I was thinking, you know, you're taking harp lessons. Was it like every time you memorized a harp tune, you got a free record or anything like that? Like, what first turned you on to sort of punk, indie music? I guess I was curious. What was the first thing you actually heard of, the first local band? Oh, oh, there were lots of local bands, good local bands. Um... I used to go to shows a lot. You know, my brother was in a band called Pocket for Corduroy that all of the girls in my grade were kind of obsessed with and used to go to all the shows. Um, but I, don't, I didn't know. I wasn't like a music-savvy kid at all. I didn't really know what was going on in the world. Joanna, when you hang out with people like Van Dyke's Parks... Yes? Van Parks... When you hang out with him, do you ever get to ask him any sort of stuff? Because he was there, like, with Manson. He was there with Dennis Wilson. He's told stories of, like, Manson and Dennis Wilson. Did he tell you anything about Manson? He didn't tell me anything about Manson, no. Um, he told me a lot of amazing stories, though. Amazing stories. <laughs> yeah. He has that story, and he's told it a few times, about Dennis Wilson beating up Charles Manson, which I think is awesome. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Was he really, like, right there when everything was happening with the Beach Boys? Like, did he give you any insight of the Beach Boys sort of stuff? We didn't talk too much about the Beach Boys. Most of the stories he told me didn't really have anything to do with bands. They had to do with weird uh, archaeological discoveries and, like... Oh, really? That interests me. Like, what, perhaps? I don't want to try to... Hollow Earth? I don't know. He told me some great stories. I can't, I can't remember the details of any of them at the moment with a camera on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna, I interviewed MGMT. Oh, you did? And I forgot to ask them about you being in their video. I was in their video. You were in the video. I did ask them about the video. I said, what was the name of the kid in the video? And they couldn't remember the name of the kid. They didn't know. What was the name of the kid? Zachary. How dare they not know, eh? I don't know. It's crazy. They said that he was crying, but he was crying because he was hungry. He wasn't scared of the monsters. What do you remember? I think he was pretty scared of the monsters. <laughs> oh, really? Is that what the band would say? Uh, well, they weren't actually there. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, maybe he was hungry. He, he might have been hungry. I think he was a little scared of the monsters, too. <laughs> Joanna, I was looking through all your CDs and your lyrics. I couldn't find one swear word. Really? Yeah. Are there any swear words in anywhere? Well, there's a few goddams, I think, along the way. Does that count? But there's no classic swear words, like the seven words you can't say on the radio type swear words. No, no, none, none yet.
Have you ever been tempted to rhyme any of those in there? Not as yet. I might. I have a. I sort of feel like um, copious use of swear words. I feel like sometimes is shorthand, where like the person writing the song wants to quickly transfer a feeling without actually conveying the feeling, so they just kind of stick a word in there. I kind of would prefer to convey it a different way, but you never know. I may write a, a filthy, filthy song. <laughs> it's possible. Do people yell that you write a filthy song? Every day of my life, I'm just walking down the street, everywhere. January 18th, 1847. Death of Lola Montez? No, Donner Party found. Donner Party, that's crazy. She also died on January 19th, though. Oh, but not 1847. And who was born on January 18th? I was born on January 18th. Joanna Newsom! Joanna Newsom! Was born! On January 18th. And here you are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, celebrating the Donner Party. Donner Party is a neat band name, too. Do you think so? Yeah, because the Donner Party featured Sam from Quasi. Oh, my. Have you ever done any gigs with Quasi at all? No, but I've seen them play a few times. They're good. He was in the Donner Party. Do you have any good Donner Party stories at all growing up in that area? I know it's kind of tragic, but it is so legendary. I guess I was just curious. I don't have any inside track on the Donner Party, but they were very fascinating and very sad to me, definitely, growing up so near. We definitely, like, would always drive past sort of all the spots where they stopped along the way and everything. It's kind of sad. What was the inkwell? Was that the name of the literary magazine at Nevada Union? I think so. That sounds about right, yeah. Like you played a benefit for it? I did play a benefit for it, yeah. I can't remember which one, though. I've done a few (laughs) around town. Uh, I thought that was really cool, helping out the local art scene. Oh, thank you. And you are Joanna? Newsome. And lastly, you're Joanna. Here we are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Before we leave Canada, Owen Pallet, Final Fantasy. Great. He's covering you. What do you think about that? It's pretty awesome. He's a Canadian. A Canadian. A Canadian, yeah. And moreover, an excellent songwriter, a great performer, yeah. And maybe he should cover to please, too, Oh Canada. I think that he should. And that would be a real whammy, wouldn't it? It would be a true whammy, yeah. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Joanna? I don't know. I think we've said it all. Well, thanks very much. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. <laughs> I found a little plot of land in the garden of Eden. It was dirt and dirt is all the same.
Still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and an Ardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Joanna Newsom with 81. And before that, an interview with Joanna Newsom. And before that, DOA with RCMP. And to begin the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, a death sentence with RCMP. Coming up. Once we connect with them, an interview with Alec Empire of Atari Teenage Riot, who are coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, to the rickshaw next Thursday night. Tonight, as I mentioned, DOA are releasing their brand new CD LP. One of the bands playing with DOA is Little Guitar Army. So here's some Little Guitar Army as we try to connect and reach out and find Alec Empire of Atari Teenage Riot. Here's Little Guitar Army and you have to picture all these people up on stage with these tiny, amazingly little, tiny, tiny, tiny little guitars custom made by Cal. What a sight and what a sound. It's the Little Guitar Army. Check them out tonight with DOA at the Biltmore. And here they are.
You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And caller, are you there? Hello, are you there? Yes, hey, it's, it's Alec. Hi. Who are you? <laughs> I'm uh, Alec Empire from the Thai Teenage Riot, um, which is, uh, I don't know if you know this band, uh, but we are a, a Berlin-based band. In Germany. And you're coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Thursday night to the rickshaw. Have you ever been to Vancouver at all before, Alec? Uh, yeah, like we've been there once, like in, I think it was 97 or something. We uh, played a couple of shows in Canada. So uh, uh, I guess Vancouver was uh, also on that list. Uh, yeah, but to be honest, like I don't remember so much about it. So. <laughs> I was pretty out of it, so, uh, you know, maybe I can get a better look uh, at the city this time. I don't know. And people can get a good look at you next Thursday night at the rickshaw. And, Alec, who is in Atari Teenage Riot these days? Uh, it's, you know, it's uh, Nick Endo. She was um, part of the group uh, uh, back then also. You know, she's this um, half-Japanese girl with a sign written all over her face. You know, I don't know if you uh, maybe seen her or something uh, um, in the press. Uh, she's like hardcore. She's like doing all the all the vocals and stuff. And uh, then there is an MC uh, called CX Catronic, uh, which uh, has been working with uh, Saul Williams and Kanye West and Trent Reznor and those guys. Um, so, and he, he's new. You know, our uh, last MC died in 2001, and we uh, took a few years break. But then we uh, accidentally ran into CX and. Uh, He's like the perfect match, you know. It's, uh, he doesn't really replace the old MC, Kyle Crack, uh, but he has rewritten a lot of the lyrics, and it's, it's you know, I feel it's like a, like a software update or something like that, you know. So it's not really uh, a reunion uh, of the band or something. Uh, it's, yeah, it feels like new somehow, you know, <laughs> which is quite good. And, of course, there's you, Alec Empire from Atari Teenage Riot. And if anybody has any questions for Alec, it's 604-822-2487. That's 604-UBC-CITR. Or you can actually tweet me at Nardwar. That's N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, at Nardwar. And I can give Alec your tweet questions. Right off the bat, Alec, you got to go to Marvel Comics headquarters. What was that like? How did you swing that? <laughs> yeah, one of the guys there uh, loved the music, you know, so uh, he invited me over and we did this little interview for the website, uh, but um, what was really good about it, like that they showed me the whole, uh, you know, like the, that whole place, which is pretty insane, I don't know if you, if you have been there yet, but it's like this whole, like on two floors or something, I think, uh, and, you know, have, they have all the stuff working uh, out the comics, you know, the new stuff. I don't know if you've been into comics, but um, it's quite funny when you see real people working behind the scenes on something that you maybe read or something when you were eight years old or so. It's, you know, sometimes we take the stuff for granted and um, it's just around because it's like so popular, you know, like characters like, uh, 
you know, like uh, Hulk or Spider-Man or that stuff. Then when you see actually the the people uh, putting it together and showing you the uh, raw like uh, um, art, you know, before it's finished, it's I don't know. It was quite fascinating, and there was a good vibe in this place also. You know, it's. Um, yeah, it's totally different from music, the way they work, of course. But um, I don't know. I think it's interesting stuff. No, I've never been there. And actually, I was thinking about going there. If I did go there, would I get any free stuff? Did you get any free stuff to walk away from there with? <laughs> yeah, I, told, I mean, they gave me uh, a lot of, you know, like new and old comics and other stuff, you know, like these these puppets and you know they have I guess they give give that stuff to people <laughs> to get rid of them or something <laughs> at some point no it's good like uh, um, I mean I, I wasn't aware that they are putting out like a hundred different comics like each week you know, or something you know, it's, it's an incredible number think about like how many people have to draw all that stuff and come up with the stories uh, and stuff like that so Alec Empar of Atari Teenage Riot, have you had any good fish or salads lately? You had some poison fish in Japan. What was the poison fish that you had in Japan? <laughs> Where do you... <laughs> okay, yeah, you know that, that uh, I don't know what it's called in English, to be honest. Uh, it's that, uh, it's not poison. It is that, that fish, you know, that, um, I don't know, the, the word, it's like it has this little uh, poison uh, um, thing like in the body and the cook has to be super careful not to cut a certain part of the fish so when he cooks it so you don't basically die when, when you eat it i don't know what it's called over here that um have you ever heard of it it's like it's really expensive but uh, the promoter took us there it's uh it's kind of like a thrill because you never know do you survive that meal <laughs> and you survived <laughs> It seems so, right? And you've survived enough to come to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and we're speaking here to Alec Empire, who's coming next Thursday to Vancouver to the Rickshaw Theatre with Atari Teenage Riot. Now, Alec, when Atari Teenage Riot lands in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, how many beats per minute are you playing these days? Is it 180 beats per minute? What are you guys doing for the beats per minute? Uh, We always have been, like, way faster than 180, you know? It's like we... We go as fast as the machines can do it, you know, sometimes it's like 240, 250 is a good number. Um, but, you know, and the beats per minute thing is like so overrated because sometimes I can see people in the audience thinking that stuff half time, so because their brain can't process um, <laughs> the beats that fast. So, you know, the human brain adjusts and, and adapts itself. So, um, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, put too much weight onto the BPM number itself, you know. But, yeah, it's true. We like overload uh, and fast information and, uh, you know, like watching a film fast forward or something. Uh, and most- we have to be, be used to it and enjoy that, that kind of high-speed stuff, you know. And most importantly, Atari Teenage Riot, you guys are still using Atari computers, aren't you? You're still using Atari? Yeah, yeah the, the Atari 1040. We have one on stage and we have a few in the studio. It's uh, you know it has two megabyte RAM, and um, that's part of the challenge in a way uh, to get that kind of power out of such a small machine. Uh, and uh, but what it does, it's very stable. You know, there's just this one thing uh, really well, and uh, it it hardly 
crashes. You know, we've experienced that no matter where we play, if it's uh, at a festival outside or something, or in like a in a small club, you know, where uh, sweat is dripping from the ceiling or so, this thing always works. So um, I don't know. It's uh, you know sometimes certain machines are are kind of perfect for one thing. <laughs> Alec, when you yeah, so we're still using it. When you started Atari Teenage Riot, Atari wasn't doing too well. Did you help them out of bankruptcy? Like you getting the name out there, Atari Teenage Riot? How badly off were Atari when they when you started? And have they ever approached you? Like you helped Atari, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they were always uh, doing pretty bad. Like uh, at that point, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, I think they went out of business like half a year later. So we, you know, sorry about that, but um, <laughs> we didn't have so much uh, uh, impact. But also, I have to say that uh, uh, they were really, I mean, their computer was really good for making music in the in the 80s. Um, so, uh, you know, when we put out the first record, it was like 80, uh, like 92, something like that. So it was already... You know, a lot of people started slowly switching to other stuff, so uh, we could, couldn't stop that process. But um, it's not also our interest to do that. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, but Atari has uh, approached us, and there were a few meetings uh, right at the end, and uh, they didn't have a problem with with us using the name. And then even now, like last year or something, we uh, we got a chapter in a Japanese uh, official book about. Atari, the company. So that was uh, pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, for us, it was always about uh, using uh, a low-fi or a low-budget tool, you know, to make music. For for us, the Atari computer kind of represented that that idea that you don't need to have the latest gadget and the most expensive equipment. And, you know, you can do something with uh, much less, you know. So it, there was uh, more behind it than just the, the, the fetish or something for this brand. So Alec Empire of Atari Teenage Riot coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Thursday to the rickshaw. If anybody would like to talk to Alec, it's 604-822-2487 or which is 604-UBC-CITR, or you can tweet at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. You were mentioning computers. What about vinyl records, Alec? What can you tell the people about the importance of the Amen Break? What was the Amen Break by the Winstons, and were you the first person ever to use the Amen Break? Uh I was not the first person to, to use that beat, you know, but um, what I did, because like NWA and, and um, you know, a lot of hip-hop artists uh, came before me, but uh, I totally uh, loved that beat, you know, and um, so there was a point when we were saying, why don't we just use that beat all the time, you know, <laughs> it's such a good beat, but of course you have to cut it up and change it and stuff, and well, you know, where I came in, it, um, you know, I, I really uh, created that distorted version of it, which then later on a lot of people in breakcore and uh, harder drum and bass started to use, you know. So, um, yeah, that, that beat uh, in terms of sound and, and groove and, and it, it, no matter in, in how you combine its elements uh, is, is just a really great sounding beat and it... Uh, 
causes people to react in a certain way. You know, it's uh, when you DJ, for example, uh, you know, the, the vibe is getting more aggressive and uh, people freak out and it's just really perfect for this kind of music. So, yeah, like, I don't know why I felt like that in, like, 92 or something, but I uh, I always thought, okay, this is not enough. I have to crank it and crank it, you know, and so I, uh, you know, I put it through guitar amps, and I came from guitar music, you know, so for me it was almost like maybe how uh, some guitarists, like maybe like somebody like Jimi Hendrix or something must have felt when he was like, no, I, I got to, you know, distort the guitar more to get more energy out of it, you know, so, yeah, so... Uh, did you ever and, meet? Uh, did you ever meet the Winstons, the guys that actually made uh, the break? No, like, no. That's the thing. I would love, would love to, but in Germany, you know, you don't really meet these kind of people. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it would be awesome. You know, I have the original seven inch, and uh, you know, it's just. I think they should be credited for for a lot. You know, because in the electronic music scene, the um, you know, it it has been just such a such an amazing beat, you know, I mean, like, people, most people are aware of, like, the funky, but, um, yeah, that, that aim and break is, uh, you know, it's, that created uh, uh, a lot of other records, you know, that, that leads us back to that copyright question, you know, I, I did a record called Alec Empire versus Elvis Presley in 98, and that was actually the last time I... I used that that beat uh, in such a way, um, so because I used it on the whole record, and I found this really, really interesting that uh, the uh, powerful uh, publishing companies and the copyright laws protect more the the powerful, you know, and, and instead of even like yeah, certain musicians who added something which has been such a major influence to to so many others and you know, um, don't, uh, you know, get uh, the rewards from it. You know, I think it's, uh, it's a very interesting time now um, where you would really start to question, you know, like the innovation, for example, uh, in my opinion, comes often from the avant-garde and from the underground, you know, and then like 20 years later or 10 years later, people in the mainstream start uh, picking up those ideas, you know, and... Uh, but um, yeah, they never. And you mixed with the main. And you mixed with the mainstream too. Like, did you use the Amen break with Slayer? Was that your combination with Slayer? <laughs> it was uh, no remorse. Yeah, that that song. Uh, um, yeah, that uh, we wrote a song with uh, Slayer for the Spawn soundtrack. Um, you know, but to be honest, like with the electronic stuff, you know, this is always like the. And I think we have a I think we have a caller. Caller, are you there? Oh, I think I cut off the caller, but caller, please phone back. Just just as I was mentioning Slayer, the caller dropped the line. I, are people scared about Slayer? What was it? Oh, here we have. We're going to try one more time. Hello, caller, are you there? Radio. Caller, go ahead to Alec Empire from Atari Teenage Riot. Radio. Caller, are you there? Oh, welcome to my castle! Welcome to my castle! Welcome to my castle! Welcome to my castle! Oh! Welcome to my castle! Welcome to my castle! Okay, thank you, caller, and do 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 do. 
okay the caller left but i do know i think i know that caller that caller phones quite often on the nardwater human serviette radio show and he is a big okay. fan alec of night sir eb nitzer eb have you ever done anything with night sir eb at all uh no we haven't done music yet but i've uh seen a show once you know and it's uh you know it's good so i mean they are like really uh you know have been really you know important i think for that type of music i mean we are we come from another kind of angle in terms of like energy and stuff but yeah like uh it's a, it's a band that uh opened a lot of doors you know for many electronic musicians so have you alec empire been sampled at all yourself has atari teenage drive been sampled like weren't you sampled for some dubstep stuff uh, yeah, like, I mean, we've been sampled all the time, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, but we don't usually care about that and then just let people do it. I mean, I, yeah, that's, I mean, there was one uh, really funny uh, thing happening, like, in the beginning of the year. Um, I got a call, like, from, from our publisher in America, and he was like, hey, these 12 inches turned up, this white label, and there's this kid somewhere and he you know he put out a record it's you know it has samples of, of uh, your tracks all over the place and you know we got to do something about it to stop it and i listened to it and i totally loved it so i um you know um uh, sent this guy a message on soundcloud um that their platform you know where you can load up uh, music and stuff for free and i was like hey man that's that's I love it, you know, like, why can't we do it? Maybe an official remix. And <laughs> the guy uh, was, you know, he was like, oh, my God, fuck, like, Alec uh, contacts me. And, um, yeah, but I think, you know, then a lot of people of our fan base, they, they loved it. And it was really constructive, you know, to rather go about these things like that instead of threatening somebody and, and taking something down or so, you know. That was really nice. How, how about people approaching you for ads and stuff? Did you really turn down an ad for BP oil? <laughs> that's actually true. How do you know that stuff? Yeah, no, that's that's true. Uh, that was, uh, you know, in spring. And um, we turned down a lot of ads, you know, um, if we feel like, okay, this is doesn't make sense or, you know, it's, it could put us in the wrong context and... Uh, with BP, um, um, I have to say it, it was exactly the right decision. You know, it's, um, sometimes people tell me, "Okay, hey, Alec, but why do you go about this like that? It's good money on the side or something." But um, I think with this example, people understand how, uh, yeah, this can kind of like destroy you. You know what I mean? If you get on board with something like that just for the money. And a disaster like that happens, suddenly you have to deliver the soundtrack for that. So, I don't know, I think young musicians uh, should think about that when they give away stuff uh, to corporations uh, that easily, you know. Because a lot of musicians feel they don't have any other uh, income anymore, so any other way to make money. Uh, So, of course, right away they say yes to almost any offer that comes from corporations. And... I don't know. I, I think um, I believe in another way, you know, where the audience pays for something and, and you don't get, uh, uh, like, enslaved by, um, you know, these huge companies. Um, you know, that having said that, you know, sometimes, for example, we, we like movies, you know, for example, like, like the Spawn uh, film that you mentioned. I mean, I mean, I wasn't so sure about the end result, but it used to be a great comic. And when they talked about doing a film and, 
uh, us working together with Slayer, you know, we, we thought, okay, this might be a really cool thing. You know, I think that the, mu- the, the movie didn't turn out that great, but you, you don't really never know this, you know, when, you, uh, when you're working with film. So it's always a gamble. But uh, you have to be careful, I think, about that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> Not even if you're that political or so, you know, in general. You can fire back, you know. And you are Alec Empire of Atari Teenage Riot coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Thursday to the rickshaw, 604-822-2487, UBC CITR. If you have any questions for Alec, we're live here on CITR or tweet at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. Alec, you did some stuff with Ice Cube. Now, did that come out? You were going to do production of his comeback LP. What happened with that? Did you actually produce his comeback LP? (laughs) No, we uh, we met, you know, in uh, the late nineties, and and uh, in Hollywood, <laughs> we had played a show in LA, and uh, yeah, his idea was that I produce, uh, you know, when he did the War and Peace records, um, and it was like a double album, and he wanted me to do a lot of stuff for the War uh, record, you know, and so like a lot of hard stuff, but then you know, it didn't. Uh, really come together uh, because his uh, record company kind of interfered and um, yeah I mean my stuff was pretty extreme so I think uh, it would have made a lot of sense but there was all these these talks about making compromises and this and that and at the end of the day I was like you know I don't know this this could be a perfect match and uh, if, if you know Ice Cube and NWA has been known for doing, you know, the harder side of hip hop. So I was thinking, why compromise on that? So uh, it went the other way. But, it, you know, it was really good to sit down with him and talk about all these ideas. Could have been a great record, but uh, unfortunately uh, it didn't didn't happen. But um, sometimes it's a bit stupid that uh, all these businessmen interfere because they, they are scared of, of losing money or something. You know, sometimes you have to just take a risk with that stuff and, um, and just do it by instinct, you know. You can't always predict uh, what people actually want to listen to. You know, a lot of people try, but uh, I don't believe that uh, the human mind uh, or brain works like that, you know. <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's like often audiences are being treated like children or something, and I think that's, that's really stupid, you know. However, Alec, you did do stuff with Guitar Wolf, Bjork, and Mersbo. <laughs> what was that like? All those different people, Guitar Wolf, Bjork and Mersbo. Yeah, you know this uh, stuff, Ram. <laughs> it's good. No, like, yeah, Guitar was uh, one of my favorite bands uh, from Japan. You know, they are this uh, just started uh, rockabilly uh, band, and they did also like this funny uh, film, uh, um, uh, you know, about UFOs and stuff. I mean, they are really uh, have been really great, uh, especially when I first heard it was like really early on like mid 90s or something they have these records um and they have these uh, <laughs> amazing lyrics i think I, i'm not even sure if, if they know uh, what they're singing about <laughs> all the time they make up these these lyrics like kung fu ramon and you know like stuff that sounds cool or something <laughs> but these guys are, are insane i've i don't know if they are uh, playing canada or something uh but if you have a chance to catch them, it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, Bjork was, of course, totally different. She, uh, you know, was a great uh, singer. And uh, I had once a message of her on my answering machine, and she really wanted me to uh, 
remix stuff and then later on uh, we also went to the studio for uh, some special recording sessions and uh, you know she's, she's been great I think what uh, was good about that that she uh, as opposed to Ice Cube the Ice Cube thing she really always takes that, that risk and she puts her voice in a new context you know and she's working with all kinds of different producers and I think uh, that's that's a really good uh, thing I think if you're if you're singing uh, to do that you know so you keep keep this thing interesting and moving forward uh, and it's not just always the same uh, voice and the same uh, uh, the same style you know so that was that was really great and I mean of course she uh, is into such a wide uh, range of music and knows a lot of underground stuff I mean merch bow he is uh, he's amazing you know for me it's like he's like the godfather of of noise, you know. I mean, he's done, I don't know, how many of these, maybe like 600 or something by now, and he's just doing white noise. And um, every time somebody tells me, like, oh, yeah, anybody could do this, I just record my, I don't know, my refrigerator or like a, a, a car or something, and then put this through a distortion pedal and put it out on a record, I'm, I'm saying uh, it's that easy, you know, make 600. Uh, CDs or something like Mertzbo <laughs> because at some point you know by the time you have maybe done your fifth or sixth one uh, you know you have to really start uh, thinking and and um, you know making it work you know so noise uh, in my opinion is is much harder to do uh, when you do it right than writing a rock song or something so uh, yeah I give this guy huge credits for what he did and uh, I met him the first time in Berlin in the 90s and uh, he uh, I was at a show of his and he his, basically his tour manager waved me out um, at the, into the backstage uh, after that and I was surprised that he knew my stuff and uh, yeah he knew all my records and you know we wanted to work together and then we did a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, sound clashes that was really good like him with his machines and me with uh, turntables and and drum machines and stuff and we played a show at cbgb's uh, you know and uh, that was really brutal like um, some people even threw up <laughs> because it was like so loud uh, we tried to do the same thing in berlin and after like five minutes the pa blew so that was that was a bit disappointing but, but um, then we did another one in osaka in japan and um, that that was also great i mean the guy is a, is a genius you know he uh, um yeah it's just so interesting because he you know, it's, you can see like the, how the physical energy gets to him. You know, when you play a show with him like for over an hour, you know, it's, it's kind of scary. Like a friend of mine filmed the show, and when you, when you watch the footage, you know, you see like the, his face, you know, like the, the, he's sweating, and it's so intense. I mean, if you ever can experience him live, uh, sometimes he does a little bit mellower stuff, but that's also really great. So uh, if you can catch him live, um, I would recommend like watching, you know, as many shows as you can because it's always very different and it's uh, he's such a cool guy uh, but very extreme you know a lot of people in Japan think he's a, he's really weird and stuff uh, and he uh, hardly laughs or so but when we are together he's uh, very funny and <laughs> it's uh, I, I love this guy you know he's into great food also and uh, awesome guy 
And I would recommend people check out Atari Teenage Riot next Thursday night at the Rickshaw in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And we're speaking here to Alec Empire of Atari Teenage Riot. And Alec, we do have a tweet question for you. It, it is from Mr. Spike. And Mr. Spike says, how much cooler would the Pixies Alex Eiffel be if it were Alec Empire? Uh, what do you mean? Like if, if I would have written this or, or, or what, what does he I guess if that? the song was called, if the Pixies had yeah. a song called Alec Empire. <laughs> ah, okay. So, of course, it would be great, you know. Have, has anybody... I don't know. I, I, think, I think it would be awesome if I would produce the Pixies record or something. <laughs> the next one. And this would be good. And another... I heard that they stopped recording it or something because they didn't like it. It's uh, Sometimes, you know, you need just a fresh approach to things. That would be good. And another question here comes for Amber's Need Help. Amber needs help. And it says, if I invited you to my birthday party in May, would you come? And I will add to that, Alec, do you do stuff like that? Do you do birthday parties? Do you do private parties? You must have had some money thrown at you to play some private parties because you oftentimes hear about bands playing in, like, Bermuda, a special party. Have you had any? Do you do special parties? Have you played a birthday party before? No, we, uh, no, we haven't, actually. And uh, most of the times we've asked us to, to play at demonstrations and, and political rallies. <laughs> so, I don't know. So far, nobody uh, asked us to do that. Um, so I don't know, like, where is it? <laughs> okay, so... It makes sense. You know, it really depends on the person. Like, I mean, I know some bands do it for for, uh, for the money and stuff, but I, I would find this very depressing. So, so um, if it's, you know, if it's, if it's cool people and it feels like playing to friends or something, that's, that's, that could be nice, you know. So Amber needs help. If you are listening, contact Alec Empire <laughs> and tell him where you are. And we're speaking here to Alec Empire of Atari Teenage Riot... Alec, in 1998, you said to MTV, you were talking to MTV about Rammstein, and you said, I'm still waiting for them to make a real statement. But things have changed. You ended up remixing Rammstein? Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, you know, the thing is, what some people didn't know, like, I, I knew those guys from, from Berlin. You know, like, I mean, they had a, a punk band called Feeling Bay. Feeling B or something, and uh, like you know, years before they started uh, Rammstein, and um, I knew they weren't like neo Nazis or something. But um, at that point, when I did that MTV interview, I felt you know a lot of people, like a lot of neo Nazis, kind of liked their music and turned up at the shows and stuff. And I felt I don't know if you you know just clear that up you know because it was getting really annoying you know and and uh yeah so i was like why you know make a statement you know at some point i think that's important you know i think you know with the whole images of of certain you know a certain type of germany you know what you know what people think germany is or something <laughs> that I, I can understand that that fascination for for these uniforms and for you know for, for all that stuff, but you know if if you if you're seeing that people like the the, the idiots misunderstand you, uh, then uh, you know it's, it doesn't provoke anybody. People uh, embrace that, then you know you have to I think say something. And but then you know like uh, a little bit later they did you know, and uh, that was really good because I think at the moment 
nobody would really think that they are coming from the neo-Nazi scene, you know, but back then it was a big question, you know, a lot of people asked me, like, hey, what's what's up with these guys, you know, uh, why are they doing this like that, you know, they are using Nazi imagery um, to promote their music and stuff, and I knew where they were coming from, you know, it's a bit like, maybe like bands like Liva or, or, or something like that. Uh, um, so, but you know, if, if you get that big, of course you get a lot of people who uh, who don't understand uh, um, what's going on behind the scenes and, uh, uh, you know, get the wrong idea of, of what this is about, you know. And then we both uh, got an award in England uh, from Kerrang! magazine, like they got one for, I think, Best Live Show or something. and. Uh, I got one for like best uh, new musician or something, something like that, and uh, <clears throat> and it was funny because like when we hung out, we were like, okay, so everybody you know calls calls them Nazis, and then I'm always called like the uh, anarchist, uh, terrorist, whatever, communist or whatever. <laughs> and we were like, hey, wouldn't it be cool like to uh, do something together? And uh, I was like, yeah, send it to me, and they um, did this track America. Uh, um, which was also a very uh, ironic <laughs> song about American culture and its impact uh, on the world. And uh, I remixed that, and then I did another one uh, for Man Gegen Man, which uh, would be translated like Man Against Man, and it was really like this uh, like super gay video where they're all naked uh, the whole time, and naked men like rubbing against each other in an oil, and <laughs> it was like people freaked out. I mean, their fan base, uh, you know, uh, when the emails came in uh, and the messages, they got like so much hate for that. And this is what I love about them, you know, that they, you know, really know how to press those buttons and piss people off. And, you know, on the other side, they put on an incredible uh, live show, you know, um, in terms of light and, and, and everything. It's, it's probably the best you could see if, if you're into that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, they are pretty awesome, you know. So it's, uh, I'm glad that they cleared that stuff up. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I think it was really important that they did. And you are Alec Empire from Atari Teenage Riot, winding up here on a Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. There's still time to tweet in at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, on Twitter or phone 604-822-247-UBC-CITR. Atari Teenage Riot are coming to Vancouver next Thursday night, and we're live here with Alec Empire from Atari Teenage Riot. And Alec, we have another Twitter question for you from the CJM. And CJM asks, Alec Empire, is there such a thing as too many beats per minute? <laughs> no, I mean, I think I've, I went into that earlier. You know, it, it really depends what you're, uh, you know, how you're listening to that stuff. <laughs> it's... Um, you know, you can have things very, at, you know, very high speed. I mean, at some point, your brain switches. You know, maybe you've you've you felt that when you were driving a fast car, like very very fast on on the highway or something. You know, in the beginning, you feel like you know, oh my God, this is getting faster and faster. And if you, you know, if you reach that that, that the, you know, like uh, very fast speed, at some point it feels like slower again, you know. Maybe it's also when you sit in a plane or something. So the brain adapts to that. So, you know, it's, I guess, um, it, it's, there's always a certain limit uh, where a certain person 
viewers, okay, that's way too fast now, or that's not fast enough. But, you know, in general, I think that, that, you know, you can listen to very fast music. We have a caller, Alec. Caller, are you there? Cool, yeah. Caller, go ahead to Alec Empire from Atari Teenage Riot. Hello, Alec. Have you ever done any work with Dicopes? Uh, no, not yet, but the guy has written to me, uh, you know, uh, when he did his last record, but I was on tour and couldn't do the remix. I think it would be awesome, like, if we could do something, uh, because he's one of these, uh, these musicians uh, from Germany, which I think also, you know, would need uh, to get much more credit these days. Uh, I have a feeling, you know, I mean, they did a lot of the stuff in the, in the uh, mid-90s and early 90s and stuff, and it's, uh, it would be important that a younger generation starts to listen to that stuff. Uh, really nice guys. Um, so, yeah, it would be good if it could happen at some point, you know? Well, thanks so much, caller, and do do the loot do Thank you, caller. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nordwater Human Service Radio Show. And winding up here, Alec, just to add to the beat per minute question, what about the strobe light? How many years have you been using a strobe light? Are you still using a strobe light? What's it like using a strobe light? What are the tips to putting up with the strobe light after all these years? Because that's a lot of strobe light, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's great, you know. We love it. It's like we use not one, you know. We use many. So, no, it's it's you know you need the light to kind of follow what the machines are doing. You know, um, I think it's um, it's great. It, it just works on your brain somehow when you experience a show like that. It, it just gets to a point where you uh, it's not a trance or something, but but it does something to you <laughs> when you uh, watch a band. Uh, on uh, heavy strobe lighting, especially with this kind of music. And I, I feel uh, people tend to understand or like this music much more when they're exposed to the, the right uh, amount of lighting. So, you know, it's really about uh, getting at all senses and, uh, you know, making it, uh, you know, the most powerful that you can make it, you know. And if you have, like, really slow motion lights, it can get quite boring. So um, it's good. It adds a lot of movement and action. You know, it's like fast cuts in, in a film or something. If you have that at a show, um, it's, it can be a powerful tool to use. Over the years, how many people have been affected by it? Have there been people having epileptic seizures in front of you? How do you not get an epileptic seizure from that? Have you seen quite a few? <laughs> no, I, I haven't uh, seen many, but I have uh, had a, a guitarist in the Alec Empire band Um Basically, there was a, um, my guitarist, uh, you know, I don't know if you know the band The Big Pink. Uh, it, it's like this... Uh, British sort of like band. My bloody band. Yeah, exactly. And that guy, um, he used to play guitars in my band for some years. So for a show in Japan, uh, once he got sick and we had to get a replacement, like, like in within one day, you know, and we got this other guy from England, and he was like, oh, yeah, I, I can do it. And uh, we flew over there, did the show, and at the end of the show, it's, it's a big party, you know, backstage, and it, it was really successful and, and great energy. And we go backstage and, um, you know, hang out with everybody. And there was also the, the guy from uh, Masona coming, by the way. Like, I don't know if you know him. He's like an equivalent to Merzbo. Uh, also great, great noise musician. Anyway, so we were partying backstage, and then at some point the security guy comes backstage and goes, hey, as, you know, like 20 minutes later or something, he's like, 
there's a guy lying on stage. Like, oh my God, like, did you see somebody climb up or something? We're like, no, like, really? There's a guy and he's, he's, uh, he's unconscious. So we went on, onto the stage and there was the guitarist, you know, and he, collapse like doing the big noise finale which <laughs> also features like the you know the the uh you know the peak of the the lightning of course at the end of the show and he couldn't take it he fell flat straight on his face and uh he couldn't remember where he was and um you know i felt a bit sorry for this guy because this uh short trip to japan became <laughs> i mean when he came back uh it was quite funny on the plane you know like nose like uh the half of his face like swollen and blue and uh, you know this stuff yeah if you can't handle that kind of energy um, your body shuts down so but to be honest uh, the people who come to our shows haven't uh, uh you know haven't really seen that much um so i think people often know you know when you uh when you uh, when when strokes are dangerous for you so they maybe avoid the very punk rock, very punk rock with Atari Teenage Riot. And winding up here, lastly, Alec, I was wondering about Kreuzberg, where you're from. That's like the center of German punk rock. There's so much good German punk rock. Like there was 70s German punk rock, like a band called The Pack. I don't know if you remember The Pack from Germany, a German punk band. And 60s yeah. German punk, like the monks from Germany, the American monks. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. When did you discover? I with them. Yeah, when did you discover the German monks? How did you discover them? It's yeah. I, I listened to them uh, on the radio. You know, there was this uh, guy from England, this DJ uh, John Peel, and you know, when the wall was up, still in the '80s, when I grew up, um, the um, you know Berlin was divided by the wall, and you know you couldn't really uh, get so much stuff, but we could get um, the uh, English uh, radio stations. You know, because uh, parts of Berlin were, were was occupied by the, the British Army, so. It's, um, yeah, so I listened to that show all the time because John Peel was uh, playing, you know, uh, all kinds of music and new music and uh, weird stuff. And, you know, he was a really great DJ, I think. Um, so he played that, that band. I was, you know, blew me away because uh, the monks have their very own sound and it, it, it's, it's just also their image, you know, like, you think what they looked like monks, you know, the, so they got the haircuts also, which is, uh, has a great, uh, great documentary. It was done about them um, uh, a few years ago. And uh, there's a great scene where they said they started out as a beat band and, you know, all the girls were totally into them because they were American GIs based in Germany. Um, so they were, you know, they had this huge fan base. And <laughs> when, the, when they got the haircut, suddenly only like old women waved at them like in the streets. And it was like right back to zero. And uh, it's a great band, also very confrontational on stage. You know, they would do these uh, very minimal kind of drum rhythms and, and this chanting and, and would use a distorted organ and it's a really great band so and the director called me um, who did that documentary and he said look we're getting uh, musicians together who you know were inspired by this band and do collaborations you know for the soundtrack so yeah so I was like okay let's do a you know Monk Time which is like one of the, the, the key songs they, they were uh, back then um 
writing about the Vietnam War, and and then you know it, it, they don't understand why why they have been sent there, and and what is this all about? And it was really was a good uh, statement, also a political statement. Before many other bands did that, you know, they did that very early on before the whole hippie movement and stuff, uh, um, you know, did that. So. Yeah, so I, I started working with them, and it really blew me away. You know, like when I was a kid, like I listened to that stuff on the radio, and then I was working together with them on that great song. It was amazing. Of course, they changed the lyrics uh, into, you know, the, um, to our times, you know, and uh, referenced the Iraq War and, and George Bush. And back then, you know, he was still the president, and uh, it was uh, just really great to do that. And then I met them. Because a lot of that stuff was done over the internet and and sending stuff forwards and backwards and and then they played in Berlin and we did something together and I DJed there and it's amazing band great guys and uh, I'm really glad that I've uh, I've met them and I was able to work with them because uh, they still got such a great attitude and and vibe about them you know um they're just really great and of course you saw that when the film came out and uh, it was premiered at that show and um, you know it's just great that these guys got uh, some of the credits back uh, because they have been so inspirational like for a lot of musicians like i think the from bands like the white stripes to even a lot of uh, techno djs you know and uh, i think uh, a lot of people out there don't know this band, and they should maybe check it out. It's uh, it's great, and it's also very funny at the same time. It's, it's great stuff. And people should check out Alec Empire and Atari Teenage Riot. We're speaking to Alec Empire from Atari Teenage Riot, who's coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, next Thursday to the rickshaw. Alec, did you ever meet Kraftwerk at all? And are there any Kraftwerk keyboards out there that you could buy? Any Kraftwerk gear? Do you got any of their gear? You know, actually, one of my first demos uh, was uh, was sent to uh, to the guy, to the uh, the Schneider guy. You know, and it was, <laughs> that was like really before we started High Teenage Riot. And it was funny. His comment was because for me it was like, okay, wow. So let's hear what this guy has to say. You know, is it good stuff? <laughs> So, and he was like, yeah, it's good ideas, but, um, you know, I should maybe clean up a bit the production. <laughs> I mean, exactly what you what you kind of expect them to say <laughs> about my stuff. Uh, yeah, you see, like, with Kraftwerk, uh, of course, you know, they, uh, they have been really important for electronic music, but they have never really been such an influence on me. But, yeah, that you know, if you want uh, kind of Kraftwerk-type uh uh, instruments. Yeah, I think that that German com- company Dörfer, um, you know, is is sometimes on some stuff working uh, with them, and and so yeah, you know, but a lot of machines can do that kind of stuff these days. So um, yeah, no, I haven't really thought about getting some of the original stuff in, but I use some of the same machines anyway. So uh, it's um, where, yeah, did, so. where did you get your stuff? Because you have the Hellish Vortex Studios, and I think you have like some old modular synths from the seventies, and all those bands over the years have recorded in Berlin, you know, Iggy Pop, Bowie and stuff. Have you got any interesting gear that's had some interesting history behind it, aside from Atari Teenage Riot? <laughs> well, like, you know, I have some stuff uh, that was uh, used by, uh, like, that was from other musicians. For example, I have a drum machine, the SP-12, which 
I bought from Phil Collins in England, which is maybe not the coolest thing to mention, but it was a good price and who did a you great get it? machine. And who did you get it sorry? from? Who who did you get uh, it from? Uh, Phil Collins, you know, from Genesis and stuff like that. Oh, really? <laughs> from the studio. Yeah, I told you it was kind of kind of funny. Uh, then let me think. What else? Uh, uh, yeah, you know that stuff like that, but it's not really uh, nothing that was uh, used by Bowie or so. But um, you know, yeah, Berlin has this weird uh, vibe about it. I think you can still to this day you can do your stuff uh, very independently from any trends or any fashion hypes or whatever. So it's uh, you know a lot of musicians love to record stuff there, and uh, me too. I lived in London for a couple of years. And uh, two years ago, I moved back, and we started the studio. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just, you just write different music. And when you're in Berlin, it's weird. I don't know what it is about, but it's the atmosphere. And uh, it's also a very dark place in the winter. It's uh, yeah, speak- people come out uh, speaking know, spring of the- and they go. I guess what I'm just wondering, Alec, winding up here, lastly, speaking of dark and underground, the Berlin Underground. I've seen all these TV shows on the Berlin Underground. Have you been into any of the tunnels? Have you been to the Flak Towers? What's the Berlin Underground like? Is that really there, the Berlin Underground? Uh, do you mean the as in the uh, the subway system? Or do you mean the, the scene? like the, the, the Oh, the, the subway scene. system, like the old World War II tunnels <laughs> yeah. and stuff and people exploring them. And they say they have like raves and stuff. Do they do much under there still? Is that really still there? Um, you know, it depends. I mean, like a lot of the stuff was more like happening in the 90s. But sometimes people, ex- you know, find spots uh, where you can still do stuff. But yeah, like you know, back then, uh, this um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of tunnels because yeah, people when they uh, haven't been to Berlin, maybe they uh, should understand that uh, when the wall came down, you know, a lot of that stuff had to be recreated because some of the lines and stuff they were, uh, you know, first of all, shut down because they were going straight from east to west part, and and uh, so they couldn't have that. So that's one thing. And then of course the new ones that were built were kind of like, uh, you know, uh, they, you know, they were built in a, in a very logical way. So they don't, they're not used anymore either. So yeah, there's some of that stuff, you know. Um, but um, yeah, but I think uh, the more interesting stuff is happening in the, the outskirts of Berlin, you know, the, where all the military stuff uh, was happening, you know. I mean, for example, we played this great uh, festival uh, this summer. It's called Fusion Festival, and that's happening at an old Russian uh, military airport, you know, that was uh, used uh, in, in, in eastern Germany. So um, you still see all the red stars and all the, the communist, uh, socialist, uh, like, symbols, and it, it's, it's a great occasion to do something. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff still around, you know, it depends. Uh, some people just go in for maybe one, one weekend or, or one night even and do something, and... Uh, you have to really know where you're going. So, I was just thinking, it's Alec, from Atari Teenage Riot, do you remember Grand Royal Records at all? Do you remember Grand Royal Records? Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course I do. Because <laughs> we're going to play something from one of your Grand Royal recordings, Atari Teenage Riot, naturally. And I was thinking of Grand Royal Records. I recently met Mark Cates. Do you remember Mark Cates from Grand oh, Royal God. Records? So how is he? He's managing the band MGMT. He's the manager of MGMT. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> what do you remember about Mark Cates from uh, Grand Royal Records? Uh, 
But yeah, I remember him, you know, like, you know, working with him in a way. So uh, he was also DJing at that time uh, when the, all the electronica stuff came out. But he was also the guy who told me we should maybe, you know, do something a bit tamer for the radio. <laughs> so I, I never believed in that strategy. But uh, that's maybe, you know, you see, he's managing MGMT now and 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 uh, I'm here. So <laughs> I don't know if he was right or, or me, you know. So, But, you know, it's different ways of looking at it. Some people, uh, they think... Uh, you, you make steps towards the mainstream and, and then maybe sell more records. While I believe, you know, there's an audience out there that likes this kind of stuff and you shouldn't compromise. I don't know. It's, it's, it's uh, these things. But uh, nice guy, you know, he took me to uh, some Chinese restaurants in San Francisco and, and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, it was really, um, he, he came on board when Mike D was working on the, on the Beastie Boys album, you know, because before we communicated directly with Mike, uh, so that was that was a little different. You played last night in California. Did Dave Grohl come out to see you? Because I noticed that Paul from Ministry gave you some guitar pedals. Did Dave Grohl yeah. give you anything? Who came out to the gig last night? Did you see any old friends? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, I mean, Dave Grohl didn't come, but um, it's, let me think. I mean, I saw a lot of friends of mine who, who are maybe not famous, you know, that I know from way back, uh, some, uh, you know, uh, they're just like musician friends and stuff. So, yeah, no, this was, the show in L.A. was, was amazing, you know, there was a lot of energy, but uh, I don't know what Dave is doing these days. I haven't spoken to him in a long time, you know, like since seven years or something like that so um you know he played also drums on on a track on my record so it's uh you know great guy but of course like Foo Fighters is so big now you know so well thank you for taking well thank you for taking the time to speak to me I really appreciate it because I understand you were up like at 6 a.m this morning for the flight after the gig (laughs) yeah no it was we have a crazy schedule you know we just wanted to come in and more shows were edited and uh but it's great you know it's a lot of fun you know so sleeping we do that in another time, you know. Well, I'm looking forward to Atari Teenage Riot coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, because you like the Beat Street LP, and there is a record store in Vancouver called Beat Street as well. You like Beat uh, Street. Uh, the old movie, yeah. To me, that was a major uh, influence. You know, I was one of the best Berlin breakdancers when I was uh, 11 years old, so <laughs> I was totally into that stuff. Um, Africa Bambada and... Grandmaster Flash and, and stuff like that. So How about- I should maybe stop by the record store. Yes, we'll send you the address. We'll tweet you the address, Alec Empire of Atari <laughs> yes, Teenage Right. And lastly here, I have to ask, are you still into ska? Were you ever into the German ska band, The Busters? The Busters from Germany. Do you remember The Busters? They were ska uh, band? Yeah, I, I do. I, I do. But uh, I was almost like always more into the old Jamaican stuff. You know, like I was really into, you know, Collecting those seven inches, and I you know from the late sixties. Uh, um, I was, yeah, that that was. I, I still love that music. You know, it's not that I listen to it every day, but uh, yeah, it's very, um, yeah, it, it, I think it's very energetic sounding. And what I also loved about it is that this uh, the music industry in Jamaica at the end of the sixties with the sound systems and the small like record labels and stuff. They were like so truly independent. You know, they were cut off from from the rest of the world, but they created this kind of music and, you know, with reggae, of course, went around the world. So it's, uh, I think it's a really good 
an interesting thing to look at, even if you're maybe not into this kind of music, but uh, just from the way they did it, you know, it's, um, you know, they never really uh, compromised and stuff. And a lot of creativity uh, happened uh, at that time. And it's, it's great stuff, you know, people like Lee Perry and, and the Scatterlites. And, you know, these are maybe the more famous names, but uh, they did a lot of music in a short amount of time. You know, if you think about it, it's not really a big country. So uh, it's amazing. You know? And you like the selector, too. I saw that you like the selector. Uh, yeah, of, of course. And later on, yeah, of course, I liked uh, the specials and selector and some of those British bands. But then, you know, mostly I, I love the original stuff. But, yeah, the specials are also good. But it's, uh, it's you know, it's not like, you know, it's like another uh, step uh, of well, ska music. Well, just quickly here, Alec, people love you. A few more quick tweets. We have some more tweets before we go. I have to read you the tweets. There's a tweet here from t 3 E T three E T H, and it says, okay. "Alec, how how do you like your T three E T H T shirt?" Uh, which size or something, or, or, or what does he mean? I guess the size. Yeah, like just give me medium or something that that should fit. And also another one there for you. Um, and here are some more tweets here to Alec Empire. Alec, do you know about German cinema, like the Human Centipede? Uh, what's the German title? Like, um, I, yeah, I know a lot of uh, German films, and I'm, you know, it's uh, a very special uh, genre on its own. You know, uh, the way the directors work and and the the, the way the the stuff is shot, and uh, yeah, I mean. It's, great film uh, has been done you know over the past uh, 50 60 years in germany so well speaking speaking of movies what was that movie chaos stage like lastly here chaos stage it was like a movie you contributed some stuff to and there were actually riots uh, yeah. why were the riots when the movie opened <laughs> what happened yeah i mean that, that was crazy like i mean the, the chaos days you know that was in hanover in the 80s early 90s it was like uh, all punks from germany and sometimes even other countries joined up in that city it's just like a pretty small t- city you know and in germany and just rioted <laughs> there was no political message even <laughs> they just went to the streets and uh, you know uh, uh, got into fights with the cops and stuff and of course like the tabloid press and and all the conservative people like they hated that <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, and then this director did this uh, film about that. It was actually, there was a book written about that, um, a fictional book, but it used a lot of the the, the original settings and, and real events. Um, and the, the film did the same thing, of course, and they wanted me to write the film score. And uh, when the stuff got premiered, uh, of course, like a lot of punk rockers and stuff like turned up to the, the premiere parties and like the, the screenings, and it was sold out right away. So like you had like I don't know 500 people waiting in front, they couldn't get in, and the cops tried to uh, turn them away. And then of course, <laughs> it's you know people go to a film like this with that kind of mindset. <laughs> it, you know there were riots actually happening, and you know then the. The media in Germany jumped on it, uh, especially like the very conservative press, like Bild Zeitung is, is, is one. I don't know if you know about it. It's like in England, there's the Sun or stuff like that. You know, they keep exaggerating things. They gave it like a big uh, 
yeah, like, uh, uh, you know, big articles. And then, uh, of course, added to the buzz, you know, and uh, <laughs> you had that stuff happening at a few at a few uh, cinemas, uh, which was quite insane. Um, I was at, at two. I was I was there to watch the film, and <laughs> it was it was funny. You watch a film like that, and outside the same thing is going on. So it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it was great, great film. It's it's uh, very absurd. There was also a very uh, uh, controversial scene in there because there's one uh, character that is killing a, a, a cop, and you know he never gets arrested, and he just gets away with that. And um, there was uh, talk about it in Germany that the film should be censored. Uh, because the scene, you know, it's, it's just you can't do something like that in film or so. But uh, they kept it in there. And it's good. there's also a great other scene where a, a Nazi skinhead uh, earns his money on the side with doing like, uh, he's like a slave in a, in a, a S&M uh, a kind of studio or something. So he's getting uh, peed on and stuff like that. I mean, it's really, I mean, <laughs> some people left uh, the screening <laughs> when the film was shown and it was funny what the kind of reactions you can get from that stuff but it was really punk rock I did a lot of uh, straight up punk rock stuff for that film because that's of course what, what suits them uh, that that that's, uh, that story you know and, and, and uh, the atmosphere of the film well thanks so much for phoning in to the Nardwater Human Serviette radio show Alec Empire from Atari Teenage Riot who are playing again next Thursday night in Vancouver British Columbia Canada at the rickshaw with strobe lights. You have been warned. Atari Teenage Riot are coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Thursday to the rickshaw. And to end the Nardwari Human Serviette Radio Show, I'm going to play something from your Grand Royal 12-inch that I have here in front of me and the song Atari Teenage Riot. Can you tell anybody about this particular release? Can you tell anybody anything specific about it? 1996 digital hardcore recordings under license to Grand Royal. I mean, that was a track, that was our first track that we wrote, and it, it was released in 1992 in the UK uh, and in Europe, and then uh, Grand Royal re-released it. You know, it's like a lot of people, it's like the introduction to that band. It's, uh, it was the first song that we wrote, and we really wanted to uh, say what the band is about in that song, so <laughs> it's, it's like the theme song to this day, and uh, with the new MC, CX Katronic, he has rewritten a lot of the parts uh, that Kyle cracked the, the old MC uh, who died uh, uh, did. So, you know, we keep doing different versions of it and, and keep updating that. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, that came out in, uh, you know, in the fall and when we toured with the John Spencer Blues Explosion, and a lot of people got into that in America and Canada, I believe, like, for the first time because, you um, you know, they did the promotion and stuff over here. And, uh, yeah, and then this was the first time a lot of people heard about that band and that sound also, you know. Well, thanks so much, Alec. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Yeah, you know, uh, thanks for having me on the show and, um, you know, come out to the show. You know, it's uh, very physical. It's, you know, a lot of people say it's nothing, nothing else like that out there. So, you know, it's... <laughs> I think it's going to be awesome um, the, the way I see it now. So all the shows have been so great, and people freaking out, going completely crazy. So it's uh, uh, it's just really good to see that feedback, and it would be good to have that in uh, Canada too. But I believe that's what's going to happen. So. Well, thanks so much, Alec. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do do the loot do. <laughs> 
Okay, man. Almost, Alec. Do 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 loot do. Okay, what? Well, I have to say something now. Yes. Do 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 loot do. <laughs> what dumb dumb? Uh, what, what? Yes, <laughs> that's it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. See ya. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye.